What's up, everybody? This is Keith. Before we get to this week's episode, this weekend, September 15th through 17th, I will be at the Colorado Festival of Horror. So if you're around Denver, Colorado, would like to travel to Denver, Colorado, um, come on out. It's going to be a fun show, a very cool horror show. There are some really awesome names there. And of course, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the Death Dealer's Room. So when you're shopping all that cool stuff, you can also catch up with me and catch up on all of my books, including animals. This weekend, September 15th through 17th, Denver, Colorado, Finer details at the Colorado Festival of Horror website, and I will see you there. Now on with the show. Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Animals, Three Protectors, and Kadoja. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders Milisanda, and Paradise Hills. And the creator, wait, that doesn't make any, the creator of a desire to drink a beer. Therefore, you must say uh, what what beer what beer be you drinking? I already got a sneak preview because uh, yes. I took the photo this week in a, in a surprise twist. But yeah. uh, but what you got of yeah. my phone being shit? Yeah. Um, okay, so this is a beer I was hyping up to you and Gary for at least a couple of weeks, and I finally got it from Trader Joe's. It is a year-round beer, I guess. I don't know, like I don't know how often this comes around, but um, they seem to make an announcement of it, and it's speculus cookie butter beer yeah and yeah it is made in hogwarts mm. uh, <laughs> even better right it is um something you pointed out to me which i didn't realize after i bought a couple of cans 16 ounces but 9.5 abv this yeah. is a holy motherfucker that's a hammer that's it a is hammer a hammer right it's a yeah. imperial golden ale with toasted coconut vanilla beans and natural flavors now I'm curious if I had this in, like, the first year of us recording. I don't know. I know I have. I know I've had it. It's okay. fantastic. But I, I much like much like how I couldn't put my finger on what made Finn Dumond different when I saw it at Trader Joe's. And then a, a cashier pointed out that, like, oh, it's so great that they finally make this in cans. And I was like, cans. That's what it is. Uh. Finn Dumond usually comes in the big bottles. I believe this is the first year where Speculoos beer comes in the cans. I think oh, it's usually okay. been a big bottle kind of thing. Because I remember grabbing bottles last year of it and stashing it because it went like crazy. I haven't even been to a Trader Joe's, but hopefully it'll be there when I get there. Yeah, they were running a little low. I actually thought they were gone. And mm. I was like, oh, shit, they don't have it. Because they usually write like new arrivals or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't see anything. And honestly, it was just a couple of weeks from when I saw that post. So I was like, that should still be up. And I was like, fuck, they must have sold out. But I looked at the bottom shelf and there was there was a couple of um, packs left, four packs. I think that's what they come in. And I think there was like two and a half, four packs left. And it was kind of pushed to the back a little bit. That's why I didn't see it initially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, I got lucky. I grabbed a couple. Rock on. Hey, I'm going to. I'm going to make an excuse to go there to a Trader Joe's tomorrow and hopefully they'll be around in my area too. Cause they, they usually show up and they're gone by the time this airs. I wouldn't be surprised if they're just gone. Right. Mm. Uh, but Hey, so if you were able to time travel back and be here, 
while we were saying this, then congratulations, you have some. Or maybe yeah. they have them at your Trader Joe's. I don't know. Well, a um, couple so of I, other things I yeah. grabbed. I mean, it's, hey, we're, we're getting close to October, so you know what that means. So I was able Pumpkin to... Spice everything, yeah. I was able to snag a couple of uh, Oktoberfest beers. Mm. So Oh, those yeah. are great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I'll, different. I'll okay. debut those uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of debuts, I'm, I'm switching it up just a little bit, Scott. And I, I, I think I mentioned this to you. I also flashed this on my Instagram stories the day it happened. But what I'm doing is I'm not just drinking a beer, friend. The beer I'm drinking is a tea shot green tea lager, which I believe I have had on the podcast. This is the one from Four Peaks that combines a lager and green tea. It is delicious. I liked it so much I bought two sixes of it when I left. I drank a six while the week I was in Phoenix and then brought some more home. And so I'm working through those. But... This beer is part of a larger drink that, uh, so my, my kids had their graduation party, you know, a month and two months ago, almost, I think. No, that can't be right. A month ago, a month ago. And when they did it, my sister-in-law, the twins or Eden, all of them, twins and Eden. Okay. You guys had a combined thing that had to have been at least a month and a half ago. It was, it was, it was end of July. Now that I remember it, it was end of July. Oh, okay. So the cool thing is that my sister-in-law tends a bar and we, you know, she she makes herself available to like friends and family and she'll work for tips. You buy the beer, she works for tips and then like she and her friend just like think of cool stuff. So she created a complete drink menu for the occasion. Ah, uh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so if if you remember that, then you'll remember that one of the drinks, so she she surprised me the day of the party and said I got you a cool gift. And I was like, what is it? And she shows me the menu and she had made two drinks. One was called a Kadoja twist, which was, I believe, bourbon, a splash of orange and ginger. Very good. And then the other one was was the three protectors. I am having, Scott, a three protectors right now, or at least a modified three protectors, which is you take a shot of soju and then you drink a beer. And so what I did was I poured some soju in here. It's a quite more than a shot, probably like two or three, but hey, yeah. we're friends. And, uh, and so I... I, Dude, I th- it kind of looks like four or five, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, soju is 12%. The bottle is probably about a 12-ounce bottle. I put less than half of that bottle in here. So maybe five, six ounces. I don't know. But, uh, but you combine that with the beer and you'll get a pretty nice that power rating. So I'll just go back and forth between this apple soju and the green tea lager. And I will have myself the three protectors while you tell me your first thing. Right on, man. Uh, initially, when I heard three protectors, I was thinking, is it like Don Julio? Uh, <laughs> you know, like just the three different types of liquor. Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get really fucked up. Um, okay, so my first thing was, or is, I finished the thumbnails to the Drawtober project. Now, this project is huge. There's tons of pages and panels that will not be in uh, released the day and date on the month uh, because they're extras. So, like within the first, I, I might even talked about this last episode. In the in the first six pages, four, uh, fourteen to sixteen of the panels are in the first four pages. So, or six six pages, excuse me. So that's like most of the month. Um, but it is designed so because the rest of the book, like it needs to be uh, knocked out. There's single images. Like there's a good chunk of the book that are single images. But in those first six pages, there's tons of panels that are left on 
not the chopping floor, uh, like it, they're being used. They're just going to be used solely in the comic book. But I just cherry picked all of the ones that are absolutely needed. And um, going through it, these weren't normal thumbnails. These took a lot longer than I normally would because they would just be kind of quick sketches. If, if I didn't have a good idea of what they were going to be, I would just kind of quick uh, stick figure them out or rough them out. And um, a lot of the times it would be only something I could read. But mm -hmm. this time around, I was really taking my time and figuring out the flow, the construction of the page, um, the design of the splash pages, making sure like the composition was really good, the, the figure work was solid, and it was all interesting all around. So it, I tackled it more of like almost in a sense like a pencils side of it because I was really putting a lot of time into it. And, you know, so I, I was talking about this last week. And so at that time, I don't think I was done. I don't even think I was halfway done. But moving through the rest of it, it was a, it was a process, but it was a fun process because it was something I n knew I needed to do. I needed to move the project along as fast as possible, or not as fast as possible, as clear and precise as possible, because mm -hmm. this needs to be done quickly in the month of October. Or even the couple of weeks leading up to October. And I talked about this last year. I'm not a stickler mm -hmm. for, hey, you have to draw this on that day. Mm -hmm. as, as long as you're you're doing it, as long as you're like kind of preparing and you're releasing images, like I'm fine with you guys working ahead. Like I work ahead. You know, we're mm -hmm. all we're all trying our best to be interactive with the community and put those images out and say, hey, look, hey, I'm participating, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And like, if you got to have, if you have to get ahead of it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And right. so for me, it's like, okay, I'm laying down the structure to a lot of these pages and these figures out. And um, another interesting thing about all of this is it came a lot easier like than normal. Like when I was laying out the figure work, I think putting these extra setting hours in is really helping my process and it's just really mm -hmm. helping my art altogether. Um, my figure work's coming a lot easier, the structure of people and like different angles. It's just like, okay, yeah, I know how to do this. I've done this for a while. I've been doing this for 10 years and um, it's just coming a lot easier now. So uh, it, it's really exciting. It's an exciting thing. And the fact that I'm basically doing a full, a full length comic in the sense that there is a lot of panel work in these pages, uh, and I think I will be able to get it done within a month's time. It's really exciting to me, and it's like really just kicking the those creative juices into overdrive. And uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling really great, feeling really great compared yeah. to how I was a couple of months ago. That's that's always good to hear. the The best goals are the goals that empower you to want to do more without demotivating you. You know, I on a so number one, that's really cool. On a related note, something that, you know, I, I went through on a, a personal level was how are these goals working for me? You know, and, and what I found is that I'm at my happiest when I set a writing goal and, and meet it. And also, you know, personally, when I get some exercise. But something that I had taken to doing was counting calories through like a calorie counting app. I mean, you've probably noticed that over the years where it's like I do something, I add in the calories. And what and I had a reckoning about a month ago there where I was like, you know, I'm not sure this is helping. I'm not sure it matters. And I get the feeling that like I know enough of this stuff intrinsically to where like counting the calories is now becoming a chore and annoying. So why do I even do it? Like I'll just I'll just go without 
and I will not use this metric and I'll see how I do. And, and I've done just fine as as predicted. So, you know, the, the good goals are the ones that f- make you feel better and make you do that little bit more than you may have done otherwise or inspire you to get off your butt, which I've told some stories over the last couple podcasts about my novel where where it'd be like, eh, okay, push through it, push through it. And then I end up with a nice day of writing. And that's when you know you've set a good goal where it does all the right things. Yeah. And especially when you're doing something much like like the drawings coming from me, when you do something long enough, it just becomes second nature. So mm-hmm. even though you are not counting your calories, I, I have a few. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> OK, so for you guys off camera, which is everyone except for me, Keith just pounded the entire thing. No. It wasn't the entire. It was a third of it. I, I did. I did two shots over the course of you first doing it. That was just the. Oh, end, okay. okay? <laughs> Holy yeah, fuck. I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. but like the amount that I saw. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and say there was at least three shots in there. So no, there's no way, dude. There's yeah, no. man, that thing was, <laughs> was pretty. <laughs> this is this is only like an eight ounce glass. That was yeah okay. Regardless, personally, oh my God. Yeah, fine. No, no. Let let, let the, the rest of that. Uh, let the listeners draw their own conclusions. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 not sake, right? You said it was. Um, no, it's soju, which is soju. 12%. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, that was a crazy thing to watch as I was about to say something. <laughs> he just threw the whole fucking thing back in the back of his throat. Um, when you do something long enough, you just kind of get the idea of it all. So even though mm-hmm. you're not like literally counting the calories in, internally in your mind, you know how much calories you're consuming. So totally. you know when to cut yourself off at the end of the day or, or whenever you hit that marker. So uh, good on you. One less chore for you to do mentally. You got it down. You don't need that anymore. Yeah. So Exactly. Right yeah, and I, yeah, was, exactly. I used to do the same thing also. I used to have a, um, I think it was like my fitness pal was the app I would use, and mm-hmm. I would constantly put everything I consumed in there. And then after a while, I was like, I don't really need to do this anymore. I know roughly yeah. how much I'm supposed to be eating and drinking, and and what and what I'm not supposed to be. So yeah. after a while, you just get it. Yeah, I mean, in my case too, not to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but what I what I felt what I felt was going on was that I would actually start consulting the calories. In making my decision. So if it was evening and I'd see that I'd consumed, you know, 2,500 calories because, you know, I'm six foot three. So I, I get about 3,000 a day for those who give a shit about that kind of stuff. I would be like, oh, I can have this one other thing. I can have that one other thing. By eliminating that, if I get to the same point in the night, it's like, am I hungry? You know, it, it's one thing to look at your calorie goal and know, like, you can afford a thing so you can eat it. And it's another to approach it from, like, am I even hungry? Am I, do I even want to have a beer, etc.? It's way better to just listen to what you want as opposed to let some arbitrary number determine what you're going to do. So it's been nothing but but good ever since I dropped that thing. And that's, again, that's how you know, that's when you know you have a, a sort of bad way of, of making a target. And if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. All right. So my first thing, and this was something that uh, Scott is involved in pretty much uh, in most of these, actually, including the thing that turned into the main topic for this week. And, And this one was a text conversation that Scott and I had. I just dropped this on him yesterday or maybe the day before. It's that um, as as a side thing to do, I have started auditioning for audiobooks, for reading audiobooks, for being an audiobook narrator. And uh, and I, I, I did I dipped my toe in the water about a year ago, 
submitted a few books, missed the deadline. I actually got a few offers and then was too dumb to accept them on time. Or I debated them long enough and then they expired. So I went ahead and rededicated myself to it again this time. And uh, and I'm happy to say that I, I got an offer and I've been reading that audiobook over the past week or so. And so, of course, this always happens when you're like getting over a cold and you don't feel good. And now you have to protect your voice. That was thing number one. And so I never quite felt right when I did it. But I just, you know, my my Ava was around. So she was like tea with honey. And I was like, yeah, that might work. And then I didn't like the tea because it was making me caffeinated, over-caffeinated. So I did water with honey, and that worked fine. Heated up some water, put some honey in it, and it definitely helped. Then she suggested uh, three shots of soju at once. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, I love that idea. It's great. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, I love that idea, but hold it. I, I know when I can do this. I know when I can do this. Not today. Not while I'm reading this. Yeah. So so I um I start reading the book. And, and I'm figuring out my process on even doing a book. So number one, I, I don't like reading fiction. That's my thing, right? Because w- what you don't want when you're reading fiction is for it to influence your fiction. I have a very specific influence I like to have for my fiction. So I was like, no, that was the mistake I made last time. I tried to read fiction. And if you read fiction, you're doing character voices. I don't want to do character voices. So nonfiction business books, process books, you know, like just just academic texts. Those are the kind of things that I think are in my wheelhouse. And that's one of the things that I read. So I read it. And this is not the first time this is going to come up. This is going to be a recurring theme for this week. What I realized up against it was, oh, I know what happened. I got the offer when I was at Penn State. <laughs> I was I was like with my kid. And, and I'm like, I can't read this until I get back home in a couple of days. So that impacted the time that I had to make the audiobook. So yeah, I'm, I, I, find, I got it. But I was also like, oh man, I'm, I, I got the offer like legit right when I was leaving. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be gone for five days. This won't work, you know? So anyway, it, it all worked through. But then I get back, I've got a compressed timeline because you got to deliver the product. But it's even more compressed than you think because I had the Metallica concert. I had the last. How much time do they give you to read something like this? Like, how long was the book, and how much time frame do they give you? So the book was only about three and a half hours of completed audio, but they give you two weeks to do it. But I had basically eaten away all of that just by being gone, so it was less than a week. Not again, not that big a deal. I think those are just auto-populated. Uh, timelines anyway and I'm sure you could negotiate with the author but I didn't want to mess up too much in my first audiobook but it, the timeline was even more compressed than that because I had Metallica five days after I got home and uh, so that was a Friday show and a Sunday show I went to two Metallica shows because that's their tour they do one entirely different they do a unique slate of songs on the Friday and then with no repeats they do it again on Sunday but it's all different songs so I knew if I'm going to Metallica, dude, my voice is going to be gone. So that that audiobook needs to at least be recorded by the time I get in the car to drive, you know, all the way down to, to SoFi Stadium to see Metallica. And so I'm happy to say that that I did it. But then that created a little bit of a conundrum. Right. So I, I get back. My voice is sure enough, you know, kind of shot on the on the day after the Friday show. And it's sure enough shot on the day after the Monday show. And then I, I was I, I told the the author that I'd deliver the audiobook on the Tuesday. I get everything going, I go through all this stuff and uploading the the subchapters, and then I realize, oh fuck, 
I didn't read the introduction and the outro. Just the oh. basic title and stuff like that. And I'm like, my voice is not good. My voice <laughs> is not good. So I, I figured out, I was just like, fuck it. I made another cup of water with honey in it. And then I just poured a spoon of honey and then ate the spoon of honey and then made my voice smooth for like the 30 words that I needed to do. And it worked out just fine. So nice. it was like it was like the Metallica problem, you know, because I had just screamed my my lungs out singing along to Metallica, one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band. And uh, and so I got through it, but it was crazy. And so I, I'm you know, we're going to come full circle on this because I wasn't even going to bring this up on the podcast. Because my thing is, what does it have to do with making comics? But then Scott, well, go ahead, Scott. You then sent a note, and you were like, no, I think you should talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, like I told Keith, it was like thrice fold why this is related to the Making Comics podcast. Number one, he just wrote a novel. So when you're reading books and, and uh, you know, like I, I, honestly, I wasn't sure until you started talking about this, what type of books you're reading. Um, mm-hmm. So the assumption was it was novels. So it's like, hey, you... You just did a novel, so it makes sense. But two, you constantly talk about listening to audiobooks, like Mm -hmm. as you're driving your your massive consumption of audiobooks. So this absolutely makes sense. Um, And three, I completely forgot. There was a third one, but there was definitely those two. (laughs) It's like the violent femmes, man. Eight. Yeah, I forgot what eight was for. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, that's that's uh, what it was. There was definitely a third thing, but it's definitely relevant. Did you do the shots of soju or something? Hey, I'm drinking a 9.5 beer, so and I haven't <laughs> so you're had taking it right to the head. And yeah, plus, totally. Scott and I should note that that due to sort of a change in in the way that I'm approaching my day, we tend to record podcasts earlier now, which means before dinner, which means we can take we take our alcohol to the head that much quicker because there there ain't no food in that stomach to to really negate things, right? So no, it, it's fair. I mean, it, it's probably worth mentioning for the whole osmosis of reading audiobooks. Again, what you didn't know is that I, I don't like to read novels because I don't want that to influence my own novel writing. But books are books. Narration is narration. It all helps and it's all part of the creative thing. And, and something I like about it, and I was even t- uh, talking to Rachel about this when I got my first offer, I was like, I've been telling Scott for years that I love his ability to pick up a pen and create money from nothing. It can be like, you know what? I feel like drawing Iron Man. And then you draw Iron Man. And then you can say to somebody, do you want to buy this Iron Man drawing? And then they'll say yes. Or they'll even say, you know, you know what I'd like more is if you draw a character I want you to draw. And you're like, okay, I will pick up my pen and create money. You know, and and I have gone on record on the Making Comics podcast as saying, I wish I could do that. Well, this this is my only way of doing it. I can I can talk into a microphone and I can make some money that's going to help further my own comic stuff. So while I'm not sure I'll ever mention this again, it is helpful to at least bring it up this one time and say, you know, it's all kind of connected in its own way. And uh, and yeah, we just we just keep on going. We keep on creating because everything you do matters. Everything goes on the compost heap. Yeah, I actually found the text I sent you. It was number one, you listen to audiobooks all the time and mention on the pod regularly. Two, you just wrote a novel and are, and on your and are on your second one. And three, you talk on the pod how you listen to audiobooks all the time. So I had just compounded go. the one and three, so that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know there was a third one. It's just like I forgot what eight was for. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly. very cool, man. That that's awesome. Like you said, it's it's um your side hustle. Like where I have clients that I do commission work for, or if I just feel like drawing a character, or whatever, I can always sell it online, something like that. Um, this is your side hustle for the you know for your comics main hustle. So it's always cool. It all feeds, it all feeds the fire. It's all circular. So uh, good shit there. And hopefully you get. It's just kind of a regular thing for you where you're just constantly getting more of these gigs. Yeah, and more importantly, listeners, mark mark this exact point at which the point at which I took the soju to the to the head. <laughs> oh, is it, it getting just, you? Oh, it announced its arrival. It's like, yo, I'm here. Uh, and, <laughs> do you want to introduce me as a guest on your podcast, friend? Allow <laughs> me I'm to reintroduce now. myself. My name is <laughs> my name Soju. Is, my name is Hove. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's let's get to your second thing, man. All right. Um, so I finished layouts and first draft of that piece for that potential client that I had talked to you about, uh, who I told you who it was off the air or, or in the middle of the air, which we cut. Um, so yeah, I, I was able to do a piece that I really enjoyed and, um, it was a struggle. It was a struggle, you know, the last few episodes of the pod. So it equals the last few weeks, um, for me in real time. So the fact that I actually got a layout, I was like, Hey, this is simple, but it's dope. Um, in my opinion, I think it looks really cool, and hopefully the potential client likes it too. Um, I passed it on to my buddy who gave me the heads up, and he said, "He said this looks dope. I'm going to send it to her after after the weekend. Um, it's Labor mm-hmm. Day weekend, so we just, you know, he's like going to let her have the weekend before we throw this at her, and so she has to deal with it. So um, hopefully, some good news comes around. The character work itself is a little rough." Um, the, the face, the figure work is good, but like the detailing is, is a little, a little sketchy, but you know, that's all part of the process. If she digs it and she wants me to continue forward, then I'll clean it up. Um, but if not, no big deal. It is what it is. And I might clean it up anyway and send it to, um, the person that it is of. So, you know, it might just be something cool, um, to have and, and to put up online or something like that. So whatever happens from there, I finished the draft she likes it. She likes it. If not, it's okay. All you can do client work. Yes. What it does is it kind of releases my brain because for me, if I ever get a commission and I'm working on anything that isn't the commission, I will feel guilty. I, I'm like, it's always in the back of my mind. It's always sitting, just sitting on, on the edge of my brain going, Hey man, didn't do this yet. You know, and like, and you know, if, it's if, paid work, right? Exactly. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and this, this could potentially be a really big payday, uh, and great exposure. And so, so yeah, so the fact that it's, it's done and out of my hands, I feel really good. And it allows me to focus further on the Drawtober project, which is in the forefront of my mind. Right. And it, it goes into kind of this twofold question, right? There ain't nothing wrong with one, trying to make some money getting client work and two a little bump and grind mm-hmm. ain't nothing wrong with either of those right so that's that's what's important i mean you sent me the drawing and i was like yeah man this is dope and uh and yeah man so so good luck and godspeed on that and and we'll see if you get some good news on the way back but more importantly related to what i say when i'm pitching it to agents it's like i did this i'm proud of it here it is yeah, I'm, I'm definitely proud of that layout. I'm, I'm happy with how it came out. Um, I, I don't think I would have turned anything into him if I wasn't happy with it myself. You exactly. know, if it's just like, hey, this is just some half-ass piece of shit, I'm not going to pass it along to this client. There's no way, you know. And so 
um, yeah, fingers crossed. I did what I could do. I'm happy with the work that I did. And, uh, you know, we go from there. Hell yeah, man. That That's great. That's great. So let's get into my second thing, which oddly enough sort of revolves around Metallica as well again. And we haven't even gotten to bring in the bullshit. So the second thing is a continuation of last week in that uh, I did get back a second wave of stuff from the Three Protectors Volume 2 cover. And, and what was nice was, so to refresh, I got a series of both poses and cover treatments from the Three Protectors Volume 2 artist. Shared them. I did around with with Mike and Kevin and with Scott and Gary. Those are my kind of trusted confidants, right? The two Invader guys and the and the Making Comics Brain Trust. Got some great great feedback. And as I mentioned last week, was thanks to a comment from Scott, I was able to really hone the thing that I was that I was fixated on, which is like that drawing is the best. I need to use this drawing to me, right? So I, I get the the roughs back using two, the two poses that I wanted the artist to develop. I actually chose two poses. And so when I got those two back, I, I sent it away for another round. I still thought my pose was was the best one, but I always like to see what the, what the people that I, I trust in think. You and Gary really echoed a lot of what Mike and Kevin said, which was you personally liked the composition of the one with the weaker drawing, in my opinion. Right. So Gary liked the one with let's call it my number two choice. I don't want to say the weaker because the both drawings were really killer. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. so Gary liked the the second Keith's second choice and Keith liked Keith's first choice. But then you brought up that what what you really focus on, which you've talked about on the pod, is composition and how you liked the composition of the second one, but the drawing of the first one. But you didn't stop there. That's what was so cool. So, you know, listeners your boy Scott Lost has some really cool on-the-fly like Photoshop slash Procreate skills because what he did was he said, I like the drawing of the first figure, but the composition of the second figure. And then he did three versions. What he did was he took the head of the first figure and put it on the second figure where the composition was better and then flipped it. He also smacked it up and rubbed it down, which is kind of Oh, weird, no. Right? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, in this case. But, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, Oh, yes. Oh, yes, exactly. So that was version one and two. You kind of took the head of the first character and put it on the figure of the second character with the better composition. Then you you took the first drawing and dropped it into the composition of the second drawing, and that was the winner. So the second you sent that, I was like, that is the winner. And, and I was even thinking that, too. I'm like, the drawing's better, but what if he put the same composition? In fact, I showed it to Rachel live <laughs> while we were waiting. Sorry, the Metallica connection is this all happened while I was waiting in the merch line for mm-hmm. the Metallica show. So I'm like waiting to buy fucking T-shirts and I'm getting all these awesome notes in my uh, in my in my chat from from uh, from Scott and Gary. That's funny because you had mentioned that you're like, OK, cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm at Metallica, yada, yada. And I was like, yeah. Is it is he in the fucking mosh pit? How is he texting all of this right now? So it's good to know where you were. <laughs> yeah, no, I was in the merch line. I was not in the mosh pit. I did not have those seats, and they hadn't even started yet. I had gotten there and was. I think that was must have been the Sunday show where I cared less about the openers. But oh, okay. um, anyway, so so Rachel's immediate thing was like, "Well, wait a minute. If Scott likes the composition in the second one, 
just get the composition of the second one into the first drawing. And we all arrived there. I, I sent that around one more time. Mike loved it. Kevin loved it. That is what the artist is going to work on. And, and as we talk, I'm waiting for him to start giving me fleshed out treatments based on that now because he can develop that. So thanks to Scott, um, I was able to like I gave him your picture and I was like, just do this. And he was like, okay, cool. I know exactly what to do. And now we'll right go on. from there. So I, I can't wait to share this cover. It's just a matter of time when I can. You know, the interiors are, are I'm going to get pages six through 10 done. I still have about 20 pages to go, which means I expect that the interiors will probably be complete in maybe three, four months. Then we can get a solicitation date and I can share this this thing, which will be done by then. But man, I am so excited for it. It is so cool. It introduces a new character into the Three Protectors lore. Very cool looking character. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. So anyway, so so props to you and Gary, but but super dope props to you for just your on the fly Photoshop or Procreate skills to just make all that happen and not just say it, but visualize it. You know, very dope. Yeah, man. I'm I always I always tell people I'm here to help. So uh, if I can do something for you and 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 kind of help the process move along a little bit quicker, I'll I'll definitely uh, do that if I can. Um, yeah. And. I really like the origin story of where this character came from, and and you can talk about that later on when it all comes to fruition and the book's out, and you know it's very cool. Oh, you mean the artistic history of it? Yes, right? yes, yeah, yes. absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, fun stuff. Um, so let's see here. Okay, so I have something kind of on, along the lines as that. Um, I've been getting pages back from Paradise Hills from Joaquin, uh, colored versions of the pages, and he like okay, so I sent him. I don't know if I mentioned this on the air. Um, I sent him stills of Studio Ghibli movies and how I wanted the the color treatment to be handled. It's like, hey, I really like this, the style, the background, and the character work, how they do it in Studio Ghibli. Uh, you have really anime-style foreground coloring, uh, like cell shading, uh, for the main characters, for all the characters. For the humans, the animals, etc. Um, in the background, it's heavily painted. There's a very heavily painted, um, textured style to the background of it. Almost no holding lines, basically, on a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff. Most of the stuff doesn't really have holding lines, right. and uh, it looks awesome. And mm-hmm. so he's been able to do that. And with each page he sent me, the backgrounds look cooler and cooler. Um, okay. The one thing that is killing me is that I don't think I gave him enough notes. Because what's happening is a lot of the times when I send him pages, uh, it'll be second shift related, right? Because like he doesn't color wanderers, wanderers is black and white zipatone work. Um, mm-hmm. So he knows what the color of the the characters are, the city is more more than likely. And then I will when I do the flatting, I'll make sure to tell the my flatter or if I'm flatting myself, I will color the characters or have the flatters uh, flatter color the characters the exact color that they are supposed to be. Now this time around. I did not tell that to the flatter. The, co- the flatter just colored them whatever. And then I just sent the pages over to Joaquin. And I'm like, getting these pages back. And if you ever use a flatter, here's what you'll discover. They're not going to try to match the color to the scene, to what the what they potentially think the color of the characters are, the skin tone, the hair, any of that. What they're doing is changing the color and making sure they're not using the same color anywhere else. Because what the colorist does is selects those and he's able to change them very quickly and color them what color he wants them to be. And he does the shading, the highlights, the special effects, all of that stuff. So I just sent over a new story to Joaquin 
with random ass colors on these characters. And what he okay. did was render the characters in those colors. And it's fucking insane. And um, so <laughs> I have so many notes per page and, and the the trend continues. I text him a bunch of adjustments, things that needs to be changed. He does not respond to me. This is a new area of mine and his relationship because usually if i give him notes he's very responsive okay no problem this and that he just doesn't say shit for a couple of days and then he'll send me some new pages <laughs> so it's just like i know he's not happy about this and uh in the last set i had even said look dude if you want i will gladly do this i will the pages that are not colored yet i will go in and i'll change the colors to all the characters colors that they're supposed to be if that helps let me know if that helps so we have less of this and one note that I did not give, give him, because I was like, is that the right term? And all it does is take a quick Google search for this to, to get the answer to this. And I didn't do it. I wanted muted colors for this book. Nothing too vibrant, nothing too poppy. This is a muted story. The color should be muted. There could be certain areas of this particular story where there might be a little more vivid coloring. You read the first draft, you might you know, figure that out in your brain where mm -hmm. those are. I got an idea. Yep. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, muted tone. And so that's what I told him this time around. So hopefully the next few pages that I get have muted colors in them. And, um, you know, it's moving along. I got no problems with the background character or the background. It's the characters. A lot of the supporting characters are just not the right colors. And I'm just like, ah, this is rough, man. This is rough. And so there's a lot of notes that have been going to him. And, uh, you know, it's kind of slowing the process down. And I think it's making him not as enthused to color this book, you know, because <laughs> it's like I don't really hear anything for a couple of days and then something shows up. So um, it's a process. It's a learning process uh, for all you creators out there. If you're working with a colorist, give them as many notes as possible. And honestly, this is just it feels stupid because. This is something I've been doing for some time now, at least for two issues. So what I do is when I send him the pages for like second shift, I'll create another layer and I'll literally write notes on that layer and point at and circle and mm -hmm. go, hey, this needs to do this. Hey, this needs to have a glow effect around the eyes or around the hands or this needs to, you know, look like it has fire or, hey, it looks like steam needs to be coming off of his hands. So I'll give him very detailed notes on all of the pages that have shit like that. I barely gave him anything for this, and this is a brand new world that he's not worked in, and he's worked in at least 13 issues of Second Shift, and so it's just like, I give him way more notes for Second Shift that he probably doesn't even need, and this one, I just fucking, I, he's flying blind, and, and turn hey, him over, is, yeah, 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 my fault, this is all my fault, so um, I need to learn from my own experiences, and you guys... If you guys haven't done this and you're working with colorists, make sure you're doing that when you're sending these pages over. Send over a page of notes. If you have reference images as well, include that in the file as well. So that way they can go reference those. And uh, it's going to cause you less problems and it's going to cost them less problems. And it's going to save everyone so much more time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's helpful. I think there's also an application there for writers. So if you're a writer and you were listening to that and you sort of glossed over it, Maybe go back and just check out these last couple minutes here because clear notes matter. Um, I had a recent thing, I think, with the, what was it, the third issue of Kadoja where clear notes mattered. And uh, yeah, yeah, giving giving instructions to people, especially people that are a little newer to your project, never hurt nobody. 
right? So good idea, always err on the side of more communication than less. You'd rather have them kind of roll their eyes and go, I know that, than, uh, than assume they know it and then just get some stuff back that's not even close to what you thought and, and even worse when you realize that like you could have prevented it. So we're, we're to my third thing. This is my last thing. And it's, I got it's one a, more. It's a mild thing. No, that's okay. We can we okay. can go right into the um, into the into the main topic after this, which is sort of, again, spun out from something that that I did this week. Um, so I wanted to talk about the monthly goals, which is I was writing the novel and I what I did was I looked at my own schedule I've mentioned before on the podcast that I wanted to have the first draft of this second novel done by Halloween. But then I looked at the schedule and I'm like, you know, I've got I've got a little trip coming up in November that makes more sense. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that date. It can just be an idea because Halloween's arbitrary. It's my choice. And if it's my choice, that means that I can push it back a little bit. Now, this comes on the heels of having like a busy couple weeks and knowing that I have a, a busy couple weeks in front of me and, and straight up not even busy. It's like my mother's in town. I want to have time to hang out with my mother. I don't want to I don't want to shun my mother aside because I know I've got to work, write these 500 words a day. And um, and so why not do that? You know, like this is your life. You can do what you want. So I have now just said, I'll finish it when I finish it. Roughly mid-November is fine. And I ramped down my goals accordingly. What I had done was I had given myself a 15,000 word a month goal. 15,000 words a month, month essentially means, I think it's about, yeah, it, it's, it's basically 500 words a day, which means you're writing 500 words 30 days out of the month. The entire month in some cases, and maybe you give yourself one day reprieve on the others. I don't need that shit. I want to be able to spend time with my mom or do other things. And if I write, I write, but I don't necessarily want it to be this thing that like consumes me because I'm not getting to it. So as a result, I revised my writing goals down to about 12,000 words a month. So that's writing your normal goal 24 out of the 30 days. If I write over, I write over. If I get to what would have been the you know 15,000 words, so be it. But I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself. It kind of goes back into what we were talking about with the right goals and the wrong goals. I want to be motivated to do this thing. I don't want to be demotivated and pissed because I didn't hit my writing goals. So I, I've touched those things just a little bit down. And now the book will be done in mid-November, which does nothing to anyone. You know, like... The first novel isn't probably even going to be out until late 2024 at the earliest, so why am I in a rush to write the goddamn second one? All good. I I evaluated those goals, made a sensible choice, and, and tweaked them down just a little bit. It makes me happier. It made me happier immediately. And so again, don't be afraid to look at your own life and just give yourself a realistic expectation of what you're doing, because these things shouldn't be demotivating. They should be motivating. Make sure that your goals out there are motivating. So... Again, I, I didn't expect to sort of touch on this twice this episode, but hey, that's not a that's not a bad thing, right? Again, motivating goals, consider your life. You're here to create, but you're also not here to have creation rule you and keep you away from other things that that might be more important. Yeah, right on. Is uh, I think I already know the answer to this, especially since she lives in Florida. Uh, is mm-hmm. your mom an early riser? 
Not really. Not particularly. Oh, I, okay. I'm still the I'm earliest riser. My guess was incorrect. Yeah. Well, she, she, no, she, I mean, it was funny, right? Cause both of both mom and dad were early risers and then they retired. And then all of a sudden they just sort of slept in whenever they wanted. And that's awesome. I don't know. I think I've heard that a lot about retirees. You know, I mean, I personally get up early every day, but we'll see what that happens someday. When yeah, I thought retired. it was the opposite. I thought old people got up at like four in the morning. You know, I know I mean? a few that do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were up with the crows or the, the roosters. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, that's cool. Well, you know, you may not be able to fit 500 a day, but maybe you'll get a little bit in each day, you know, because totally. because you're an early riser yourself. So maybe yep. you get some riding in before she's even up. She's staying with you guys, absolutely. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you get a little bit of work done each day and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and if she gets up early and you got nothing written, who cares? You know, your mom's yeah, in town, exactly. like you said, she, just, she doesn't live here. Uh, you got to spend that time when you can spend that time for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man, bring it on home. You got one more thing. All right. My last one is I started the Drawtober Extra Pages. I, I'm so psyched about this project and the fact that I'm pretty much done with everything else. Um, is means I get to work on those extra pages that are not going to be part of the monthly gig. So we're we're very ahead of schedule right now. Like we're um, as of the recording of this, we're on uh, August thirty first. So yesterday I started doing some some ink work, some pencil and ink work to finish the uh, some some panels out that are not going to be part of the monthly grind for for October. And uh, dude, it's so rewarding. I'm in this amazing flow state and. I was doing some pencil work the previous day on on the first page. And I was like, okay, let me just start laying things down and like making sure the mechanics of this stuff is right and uh, all of that. And as I was going through it, I was like, okay, cool. And then so the next day, yesterday, I was like, all right, let's go to page two. Let's make sure the mechanics are right. Let's, let's you know, start doing this, the pencil part of this. And as I was doing it, I found myself searching for things that were mostly done. I was like, mm-hmm. are there any figures or panels or objects in here that are pretty much done? And I started going into inks. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing today. Today is inks. So this is all part of the Slack method. If you're new to the the program here, Slack method is basically drawing where the heat is. What do you feel like drawing that day? Because that's the thing that you're going to breeze through the fastest. There will be no wasted time uh, when you're working on the thing that you want to work on the most. So the previous day was pencils. I was not in an inking stage. I did not want to refine lines. I did not want to have crisp, clean things going on. I was in a very scratchy, rough state of mind, sketchy state of mind and figuring out problems. That's where I was the previous day. And yesterday was like, no, no, you're in the finesse stage today. You want to, you want crisp, clean, finished panels because it's shit you don't want to do later and you don't want to be on a time crunch. And you want to have this book essentially done on October 31st. That's that's the goal. This entire book needs to be done on October 31st. So how do you do that? All right. Well, you get ahead of it. You get on all that extra shit that isn't going to be part of that monthly day-by-day post, um, and you knock those out as fast as possible. So it's just a matter of knowing yourself and what you're capable of doing that day, what you want to do that day, what you're going to do the fastest that day. And yesterday was definitely the inking stage. Like I was working on a panel. My girlfriend gets home. She needs to go to Costco. We're driving in the car to Costco, and I just start talking about it. I'm like, yep, I was doing this, and like I realized that's not what I want to do today. What I want to do today is ink, and that's what I need to do for the rest of the night. And she's like, okay. 
You know, she's <laughs> okay she's, then. Yeah. He's like, all right, psycho, we need to pick up some milk and some eggs. Yeah, we're going to Costco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what you need to do right now. You need to go to Costco, yeah. is what you need. Drive drive us to Costco. Calm yeah. the fuck down. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that was yesterday. Started working on those extra pages and panels, and uh, it's feeling great, man. I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so motivated to do this. And honestly, I think this has the potential of being one of the fastest drawn projects that I have ever done. Like to date for me, like I have done two Drawtober um, issues of Second Shift, issues 11 and 12. Those were done in a month. Um, and issue 12 had one added page, uh, one added page and two extra panels. This has multiple pages that are that are going to be done. So when I say this is has the potential of being the fastest drawn comic, what I mean is like full on packed, full length issue. And so mm-hmm. it's just a, a level higher to those two Drawtober's. If you if you read those books, I'm proud of those books because they were what they were. There, it's like, hey, I have an idea. I want to create a story every single day of the month of October. And that's what I did for this one. It's just like, no, no, I want to do a full on comic, like start to finish. That is more so than a bunch of big splash images and stuff like that. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is some real work that's going into the issue. And the fact that I, I feel like I can com- complete it in that time gives me really high hopes for 2024. Nice. Nice, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a great way, great way to, to, round out our topics for the week and it's good that you know this you've just you're riding this kind of creative high in this uh very productive state right now man so very good very good all right so let's get to our main topic which actually stems from what's one of my topics and we're going to try to make it a little larger once we get through the topic which is um on last week's podcast i mentioned that i had gotten an initial cover in the idea of this kind of parallel state of my novel, I had gotten an, an original design for a cover. Oh, we talked about it last week on the pod. I got the original design for the cover, but Scott hadn't seen it. And so this was the one where uh, Mike then came back with a couple ideas that like one of them could be a play on a map. One of them could be on a, a play on woodcuts, you know, one of them, etc. Right. So right. so the, the cool thing is that I got, I mean, must have been a dozen, if not 15 cover treatments from Mike Nelson, the person who's just, you know, agreeing to to mess with some graphics here. So I sent those to the same crew. And uh, and so uh, Scott and Gary came back with their favorite choice, which was also my favorite, which was a a, a cover design based on a woodcut. Uh, and then for Mike, those for those people out there that don't know what that is, because honestly, I had no clue when you were initially talking about that. I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck does that mean? Is it like mm-hmm. literally you cut down a tree and you can see like the grain of it? Like, what, what does that mean? So for the audience, uh, explain what a woodcut is. Shit, I'm not even sure. I think that old, old print media was done like when they wanted to print pictures, they would actually like maybe ink some wood. They would carve the wood and then press the wood on the on the paper, maybe. Shit, I don't know. Huh. Hey. Making comics podcast at gmail.com. You can tell us, but I think it comes back to actually cutting images into wood so that you can use those as printing plates. I think oh, that's how interesting. it works. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think that's how it works. So, and so whenever you see an old illustration, and I mean old, like we're talking pre printing press here, I believe that's how they did it. So, you know, we, we get that image back. It was your favorite, it was Gary's favorite, it was my favorite. 
Um, but Mike comes back and, and he gives me a couple favorites and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You didn't like the woodcut one. And then he's like, no, it's I, I you know, I, it's not it's not a regionally appropriate woodcut, which I mentioned on last week's podcast. <laughs> yeah, the savant of woodcuts. <laughs> yeah, because he's because he's the he's the savant of woodcutting. Yeah, so yeah. that then that then led to a huge lengthy back and forth that I had with two groups of people. One was Mike and Kevin and one was Scott and Gary. And uh, and I think Gary really took the lead here which leads into the main topic, I think. So hold it. Let me let me finish the story first. Gary asked what kind of research I did. I said I did a ton of research because what Mike was talking about was regionally appropriate woodcuts. Well, there aren't any. There aren't any regionally appropriate woodcuts. I, I had thrown an idea at him that I had found online where someone was trying to a- appropriate Scandinavian woodcutting. Mike liked the idea, but then when I sent it to you and Gary, you're like, I don't like this. I don't like the look. Yeah. Right. So, so then Gary went a little too clean for me. Yeah. Yeah. So Gary went on this huge bender rabbit hole on, on doing research and he unlocked something that I hadn't done, which was he looked at other areas of Scandinavia and asked if any of them had woodcutting and one of the countries did. So that was a lot of telephone calls that Gary was putting in. Yeah. Do you guys have any Scandinavian woodcuts? Yeah, Sorry, exactly. Yeah, he was he was he was going gonzo on on the search uh, engines, that's for sure. <laughs> so he finally finds some stuff and sends it to me. And uh, and then I proceed like he sends me this one book that's, you know, in the public domain. I read every single page of this or at least I skim every single page of this 400-page document to see if there's any art in there at all. It turns out that there are some old woodcuts that if I get the cover artist to Photoshop one image into the other image, we've got ourselves a cool woodcut that can serve as the main story. I threw all that to Mike. Mike loved it. Right. So I think we're all aligned. I gave it back to the cover artist. He's like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to do this. And then I even asked him to play around with that design and see if he could do something even cooler that isn't just the straight woodcut sort of Photoshop thing. But so I, I think that's a fun story. It had a fun ending, really involves doing a lot of research, etc. But there were a couple intermediate points there that I think are good things for us to talk about our main topic, which is sort of where research ends and your story begins. We've talked about this in larger contexts, I think, but the specific thing that happened here is and I believe I, I I may have hinted at this on last week's podcast, but in one of my side conversations with with Mike, I was like, so so Mike's thing is it's not authentic. People are going to see the cover and think, "Wow, you're foolish," you know, like that's not even a regionally appropriate woodcut. Now in our chat, Gary said, "I think that's I think that's a bridge too far," and I am very specific and nerdy when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and if you've ever the, read uh, D versus M. You will know that Gary is litigious about his study work when it yes. comes to this. Everything Absolutely. in there is uh, time appropriate to whenever the book is taking place. And for Gary to go, that's a bridge too far for me. Like, yeah. 100% I agree to the point where I was like, well, number one, I don't know what the fuck woodcutting is. So yeah, exactly. how many yeah, people you're get, out you're there... Getting, you're getting like a crash course in woodcutting right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like... You don't even really know what it is. So, like, the fact that Mike knows, and it's just like, you and Gary are very educated, well-read people. I'm just a guy 
but I'm not going to know that, right? Like, right. like someone that's just loves reading um, uh, horror horror stuff isn't mm-hmm. going to go. This isn't accurate. They were already exactly. starting off on the wrong foot. I'm not buying this book. Like that's totally that's not totally. really going to happen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and this goes back to the original note that I had been given, which was. It's kind of like reading a book on, and again, p- apologies if I, I said this in a previous week. It's it's like reading a book on French wines, and the person puts a German label, wine label, on the cover. That was that was what I was given as an example, and I said mm. yes and no, yes and no, because people who read books on French wine are enthusiasts. People who read horror novels fucking like horror. They're not woodcutting enthusiasts. If it was a book on woodcutting, I would make sure to not make that mistake. This is Absolutely. not a book on woodcutting. It is a horror novel. And, you know, horror novel fans do not, I don't think they care about the region of woodcutting that it comes from. So, and this ties into what I think is the helpful point for the main topic, which is what I like to call the expert problem, the expert conundrum. Before we get into the larger thing of like where research ends and your story begins, I, I think I have never been the kind of person that likes writing a book for experts. Whatever you write, you can do some research. Do your research, right? I, I think maybe Gary even said this. You want to at least make the kind of basic research mistakes that a simple Google search could have fixed. Right. The deeper the deeper you're going into a topic, the deeper you probably want to do the research. But the thing about research is it's a black hole. Research is cool and research is fun. And when you do research, you're going to try to find all the you're going to find all these killer things. And then you're going to say, wow, I need to put that in the book or I need to put that in the comic. Except odds are you shouldn't. You don't need to dazzle people with your fucking research. You need to dazzle people with your storytelling, your story, your art. All those things. So research is fun. Research is great. But that doesn't mean that I want to write a book for the one or a comic for the one out of thousand people that happens to know the difference between regional woodcutting, to use this example. You know, there you don't want to make egregious mistakes, but you, you're also not here to please a thousand people out of a thousand because guess what? You can't. There's no way you will. Right. There's going to be some level of expertise you don't have in one of the things you're writing, no matter what it is. You may not even know what it is, but it's going to show up. I encourage you to not write for that expert. And maybe it's not one in a thousand. Maybe it's seven in a thousand. That's still a small number. 993 of those people still think your shit's cool. And and they didn't even blink when they came to this thing that may or may not have been the best research thing in the world. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's related. To, uh, this reminds me. It's like when I watch anything that has to do with police procedural stuff with my brother-in-law, who's a cop. We, we'll watch something. They'll be doing something. He'll go, they'd never do that. Whereas everyone else that is watching it does not even bat an eye to what is going on. It's just like, yeah, you're the pro in this. This is your job. We get it. But also, mm-hmm. this is a TV show. Like, it needs to be fun. It needs to be exciting. Everything doesn't need to be by the book because they got to keep it fun and exciting. Like you have to make sure this is an entertaining the masses, you know, not the experts. And so that's the difference. It's like, yeah, is there a way much like to, to Gary's point? Can you Google this? Is there an easy way to figure this out that this wouldn't happen? It now happen. Is it a bridge too far one way or the other? Is this too nerdy? Is this too detailed? Is this too outrageous? 
you know, there, there's got to be a nice middle ground, like just with anything ever in the world. Too much of one thing is, is too much. Like you got to, you know, everything in moderation. So, um, you know, you can go too hard when it comes to doing your research. You can go down that, that rabbit hole that is Google or you can find out the basics of what you really want to accomplish here and you go forward. Uh, much like you, when you say like, hey, I'm not writing for the experts and when I'm doing something, I'm writing for the masses. I'm writing to please the audience, the majority of the audience that's going to be there. I'm the very much the same way. Like when I was doing pro wrestling, I was the same way. When I'm doing comics, it's the same way. It's like I don't want to be so technical that like the average fan is a little bored, but I want to do some of it. But I also want to be very entertaining so everyone is perceiving it that way. Oh, Scott's very technical. But if you watch my matches, it's just like, oh, he kind of is and kind of isn't. It's like Mike Mignola with technology or um, building structure and perspective. Yeah, exactly. He, he hides both so well that you accept it for what it is. You accept that it is technology. You accept that it is uh, the correct perspective on this building or this hallway or whatever the case is. Like, you can get to a point where it's the perfect ground for everyone. Like, even the... Like, if, if you're a complete nut about something, okay, th there is no pleasing you. You have to have it 100% accurate, but you're also not my audience. Um, you know, this is one aspect of the whole project. So just don't get bogged down in all those details because then it becomes a time suck. And then it becomes a project that is not your main focus. Like that wasn't the project to begin with. Now it's something completely different. Now you're just stuck in this aspect of woodcutting when just like, yeah, but that wasn't the point of the book. If you read the book, it's a horror thing. So, you know, it's, it's just like, it's about these characters and what happens to them and their journey, etc. And um, you can get too bogged down in those things and that can really derail you from what you're trying to do. Right, right. And, and uh, that, is, that is all great stuff. While you were talking, I reached for the dictionary and, and I happened to skim this definition that I'm about to read as a nice reminder. If you are writing nonfiction, all this shit matters. Odds are people, not, people listening to the podcast are not writing nonfiction. You're writing fiction. So let's open the dictionary and read the goddamn definition of fiction. Give the Making Comics podcast five stars. Boom, you guys didn't see that shit coming. Yeah. We'll see you next week. I gotcha. Yay, yay. Anyway, okay, so the, the dictionary definition of fiction is an imaginative creation or a pretense that does not represent actuality but has been invented. You are writing fiction. You are making fiction. Even if that fiction is just two inches to the right of reality, it's still fiction. And, and that's the kind of stuff where, you know, there were times back in the past where people would come to me and ask me about, like, the world in Kadoja or something like that. Like, can that really happen? It's like, it's my world. Of course it can. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, what, you read but, it. But you to, saw it. Yeah, but, but, to the, but to Scott's point, you know, you want to make it believable and you want to make it past rules of common sense. But it's also fiction, right? So, again, this is this is... We've wandered away from what started this topic, the thing, but now we're to the, the actual topic that we want to, to drive home here, which is there's always going to be this handoff between research, between reality, and between your fiction. It's up to you to figure out where that line is. 
When in doubt, you can always make something up. Don't ever forget that. It's it's your world and you get to make stuff up as long as it feels right with the world you're creating. If you're in a steampunk world where everyone is pink and they have flower heads and they levitate upside down, shit, you barely have rules at all there, you know, but... If, if, if you are doing a, a, a semi-historical thing that's set in, you know, 1932 Albania, you'd better be true to 1932 Albania because you're the one saying it. But again, it's your story. You could have astronauts in 1932 Albania if you really wanted it because it's your story, right? It's about this fiction that incorporates elements of the real world, but is it springs off into your own universe at some point. Yeah, look at Quentin Tarantino, you know. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, it's just like, yeah, this is more reality based. It's kind of history based. And then it takes it turns. It takes its turns where he wants it to, you know, like, oh, this character ended up surviving and, and they defeated yeah. the Manson gang or whatever, you know. And, and so it's just like these small details that you can change. You can alter history. And, um, you know, that's that's a great. A great thing to look at when you're trying to think of um how can I make something accurate to history yet my own? You know, like, where can I diverge into my own thing? And, and you know, it's a great thing. Like, check that. If you haven't seen that movie, check it out. Um, you know, Quentin Tarantino does a great, great job with stuff like that. And, and it just makes it all fun because that's where his story was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, that was all I wanted to say, man. You got anything else? No, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on a good one. Shit, this beer was okay. crazy. Um, yeah. So hopefully all the stuff I said made sense. Perfect sense. Genius. Excellent. Genius. All right. So we got some bullshit. Do you want me to just lead with the Yeah, whole you go ahead. Thing? Go first. All right. So this is like a multi-prong thing. So we'll see what happens. So uh, as mentioned, I I went to Metallica on Friday night and Sunday night. Uh, as as I mentioned last week on the podcast, there was this hope of getting this limited edition poster, which when they did the drop the day before was like, wow, this poster is really goddamn cool. So on on the Friday show, Friday had an opener I cared about, which was Pantera. Oh, hell yeah. And and because of our schedule, we decided like screw it. It's it's a Friday, traffic in LA sucks. It's it's an it's an hour ten there with no traffic. I don't want to mess too much with traffic. So we left mid-afternoon, 2:30, something like that. We got there, we parked, we get inside the stadium. The stadium opens at four o'clock. I get to like a booth at four. 4.30, 4.25, and I'm like, hey, can I get one of the posters? They're like, sorry, we're sold out. And then I proceed to ask through all this these questions. Of not only were they sold out, they sold out in 10 minutes. And a person at another one of the merch booths, because I went to another merch booth, they were like, I can't believe how few we got. We got like 20 for this merch booth. So later on, it was revealed that the print run of this poster that they'd spent so much time publicizing was 500 copies. Scott, you just talked about this with Kobe Shoes last week. Why do you not want to make money? Because guess, I bet everyone out there can guess what happened. They sold out in 10 minutes, these $50 posters, and then assholes listed them on eBay for $400. Mm-hmm. I have been following some of these auctions. They are going in the 300s right now. So congratulations, Metallica. You made something cool. You made the print run too small. Where you could have made the print run like 2,000 or something like that. You could have just made a few more. You could have let everybody in the stadium get what they want. And then you could have deflated the value instead of selling through some, 
and making the scumbags happy. Yeah, like what's for you? What's the point of you, Metallica? What's the point of that? Like, well, we're gonna make this really limited edition, so it it you know creates a buzz or whatever. It's like, yeah, what is what is the buzz? You're Metallica. There's no buzz. You're Metallica. You have the buzz. You're you're yeah. the buzz. You're Metallica. You're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What buzz do you need? You're yeah. the reason why people are buying the fucking poster. So yeah. why don't you, Metallica, want to make the money? You're not making any of that three to four hundred dollars. You're making it. the X. What was how much were they charging for it? Fifty bucks. You're you're making fifty bucks off of two hundred uh, posters, five hundred, uh-huh. five hundred yeah. posters. You could have made two. You could have made fifty bucks off of two thousand. Like you exactly. know, like it's just like hey, you could you could have made the money instead of letting the scumbags make the money. Exactly, because you could have just printed up more, and you could have had a whole lot of Metallica fans go go home happy instead of a whole lot of scumbags going home happy, or yep. a whole lot of people who semi like Metallica but wanted to get the poster so they could flip it on eBay to cover the cost of their tickets. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the the thing about what definitely took the the steam out of my engine of annoyance there was that Metallica also did t-shirts for each night based on that poster design. So I saw that, Rachel saw it, we both saw it in line. We ended up getting a t-shirt with the design on it. It's a really cool t-shirt, yay. In the meantime, I happened to look up, I mean, maybe after Pantera played or something like that, I'm starting to look up stuff online and damn it if I didn't find someone who was, I, I have this phrase I used to like called Kinko Jack, which is you steal the art and you print it at Kinko's. Right. And and apparently there's a little bit of a cottage industry around that. And someone advertised a, you know, authentic in air quotes print of that poster. And I'm going to leave it to you out there. Maybe or maybe I didn't get it. And maybe or maybe not. It was one twentieth of the price that you'd be paying on eBay for the marked up copy. Maybe it was even less than what Metallica was charging in the stadium. So. And and maybe if I got that thing, it might be showing up in a day or two, just theoretically, right? So so that was Friday. We get there on Sunday, and the, and the difference between Sunday and Friday is that I did not care for the opening acts. Don't care at all. So, and and it was like, I, I nicknamed this who, to my who family. Was it? Do you remember? Five Finger Death Punch. Okay. I'm yeah. not a Five Finger Death Punch guy. And plus, I had my fantasy football draft. And uh, anyone who plays fantasy football knows that fantasy football draft day is a glorious, glorious day. Arguably the best day of the season. You get to hang out with your homies. You get to drink some beers. You get to draft some football players and talk shit, right? It's, it's the best. And so, like, I nicknamed that day Keith Day because it was just like, I wake up, I have breakfast, I go to my fantasy football draft, I come home, I go to Metallica. How great is this day, right? So... Anyway, we, we ended up getting there later by design because we just needed to be there, you know, in a reasonable time. So parking and traffic wasn't terrible, but in time to see Metallica. So we get there. I don't even bother with the posters this time because I've learned my lesson. We go to the uh, souvenir stand, you know, and I'm like, that's weird. I don't see the T-shirts for this one, this design. And what Metallica did for all their posters is it was a left-right design. You know, you you have one, they, they sort of combine into a mega image for all of the shows they're doing because they're doing two shows everywhere. Well, Scott, the t-shirts were sold out too of, of oh. the exclusive design. And we got there later and like, I didn't really care. Whatever, you know, like at, at this point, whatever happens just happens. P- you know, I don't know whether the Sunday vibe was different. I think part of it is that the Sunday vibe was different. And part of it is that we got there four hours later. No, no, uh, two and a half hours later. 
So that probably had something to do with it. But I mean, if you give me the choice again, I'm going to take it again. I'd rather show up two hours later and just be there for Metallica, have a beer, or I didn't even have beer. I just had water that night, have some water, watch Metallica, then show up at 4 p.m., get the poster and then sit around bored or sit through opening acts I don't care about for four hours, you know, so those were all sold out. In fact, every shirt was pretty much sold out and I'm wearing a Metallica shirt right now. Um, and, uh, and it was bought in the parking lot. I'm not sure if it was authentic. <laughs> <laughs> it's for you to decide. It's for you um, to and decide. It looks super badass. So yes, uh, it is. It is very cool. And then, and then I may or may not have tried to obtain a authentic in air quotes poster of the second night, but we'll see about that one. I'm not going to share any details about that, but let's just say the second I placed the order, uh, and I shared this with Scott. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, there was a certain plot twist that happened when I found out the thing I, you know, the entity I paid on eBay. And I'm like, that doesn't look super or not eBay, PayPal. I was like, not not really legitimate looking there. Not really <laughs> legitimate looking. So there might be a, a PayPal fraud claim in my future. We'll see how it goes. Oh, so anyway, yeah. craziness, you know, all that is law. The, the headline there is Metallica ruled. It was great seeing them. They went with, not to nerd out, I'm going to nerd out for like two minutes. What they went with was a selection of songs from their albums. With the new album getting a lot of play and with their classics getting a lot of play. But with them taking time to play songs from pretty much every album. Okay, I'm kidding. Every album. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get to the end of night one. I get to night one and we're walking out and I bring up to Rachel. I'm like, it's worth noting that Metallica played a song from every album except St. Anger. So for those of you not familiar, okay, for those of you who know who Metallica is and are fans, you just probably rolled your eyes at St. Anger because for all the people that don't know it, drink up Star Wars fans, St. Anger is the phantom menace of Metallica albums. (laughs) It has a, if anyone knows what a snare sounds like when you don't, bring the snare key closed, it has a very ringy, congy sound. What makes a snare a snare is that you turn the snare key, it tightens the, like, what is that? The metal beads on the bottom of a snare so you get, like, more of a pit instead of a kong. Well, on mm. St. Anger, they didn't do anything. They never tuned the snare, so everything has this kong, 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 kong sound, and it sounds bizarre. St. Anger is a vilified album, but like much like Phantom Menace, I find myself a bit of a St. Anger apologist because much like Phantom Menace, to know me is to know that I like a good idea executed poorly more than I like a bad idea executed well. I think I think inside the album that is St. Anger, there's actually an interesting album waiting to come out. Unfortunately, that album is 25 minutes shorter, has Kirk doing solos and has a snare that sounds right. You know, so so I will never I will never hear that album. But flash forward to Sunday and and I'm just telling Rachel, I'm like, I will lose my mind if they play a song from St. Anger. It just I will lose my mind. I was thinking they would play the song St. Anger, but they get like five songs in. And on the first night, James had, uh, you know, like to know Metallica is to know that like James is a big smart ass with the audience at times. And uh, when he talked about the new album, he's like, I know it's everybody's favorite album. So we're going to play some songs from the new album. OK. And then people just sort of sit through the new songs and then they deal with it. Hey, Gary, I liked the new songs. Just so you know, uh, just just to flash back to my Depeche Mode thing. I'm not a am not a only play the hits guy. 
but if you're going to release a new album, can you at least play songs that are good? It can, can the album be good? Cause Depeche Mode's new album is boring. That's what mm. made the show boring. Metallica's new album, they're not going to win Grammys for it or anything, but at least it has some songs that are fun and that are, that are good to groove to. They're heavy. They, they happily pass the time in a show. So a couple nights later on Sunday, James just intros a song and he goes, this one's from your favorite album. And then they kick into Dirty Window off St. Anger. I swear to God, Scott, I was probably one of 10 people in the stadium that actually cared. <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny. And I was like, because when, when Rachel heard that, she was like, oh, they're going to play another song off the new album, huh? And then they played Dirty Window. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is the song off St. Anger. I lost my shit for all five and a half minutes of that. I could not <laughs> believe it. I, I just, I ride hard for St. Anger. By simply being okay with it, much like Phantom Menace, it puts me in like the top 0.5% of fans right. because I'm like, I'm sort of okay with it. I think it's fun. I like like a couple songs on it. I think it's raw. I Is have that my one of the better songs off that album. Yeah, I, I think in my opinion, it's the second, maybe third best song off the record. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was great. Like the audience just sat around with arms crossed and barely gave a <laughs> shit or was like, what song is this? And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> like completely screaming my ass off. Oh, it was so amazing. Anyway, so so all's well that ends well. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll keep mine super quick. I know you're on a time crunch here. Um, so. My eBay days are numbered for now because, Ooh. yeah, man, I, I went a little too crazy. I, I've been yeah. going a little too crazy lately. Some of the things I've been getting off of eBay, they are revolved around what's going on with Drawtober. So it's like research stuff. But then there's things that I've been seeing online um, that I have recently discovered and wanted. And a couple of those things, number one, it's Barry Windsor Smith's Storyteller. It's like this oversized giant magazine thing that he had done. And there was an auction, uh, a couple of auctions that I had won a few weeks ago. And it was like issues two and four or something like that. It was like, I think there were eight bucks a piece, free shipping. I'm like, oh, that's pretty reasonable. It's a super old book. It's it's pretty wide. It's or, or, It's pretty thick. It's pretty giant. That's a really good deal. Okay, got him, right? Um, these are not expensive books. So if you guys haven't heard of these books, check out Barry Windsor Smith's Storyteller. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy Barry Windsor Smith, you liked Weapon X and all of that stuff, you got to check this stuff out. He's just amazing. So I found an auction. It had issues one through six for $9. Shipping was $10. So 19 bucks, 19 bucks yeah. for six issues though. So I was like, okay, that's just a great deal right there. I'll have copies of two and four. Um, and it is, it is what it is. Having a couple copies, extra copies is not a problem to me. Um, but it's such a great deal and it kind of gets me to go, we're done with this. You're done. Yeah. Take this off of your saved list. You no longer need this. Get it out of there. So got that pretty psyched about that. Um, I saw a cartoonist kayfabe, uh, kayfabe episode where they were talking about, it wasn't Shaolin Cowboy. It was kind of like the character that was the essence of Shaolin Cowboy that Jeff Darrow created. Uh, and it was Dark Horse Presents number 19, uh, released in 1986. And those are very hard to come by, at least on eBay. And the cheapest one I saw was like 35 bucks or something like that. And I was like, eh, that's too much. Uh, I don't want to get it for that. I'll wait. Um, I woke up one morning, had an email notification. Someone was selling for 20 bucks, five bucks shipping done. Absolutely. Let's do it. You know, that book is, what is that? 30, 30 years old, 40 years old, something like that. I don't know. Um, 
are like 37, 37 years old. I'll take that. Really good. Hard to find. And then there's a big one, a really big one. And I'm going to leave it until it shows up. I'm going to show it to you when it shows up. Um, hopefully it shows up by next episode. And then, um, yeah. So that's the one that kind of broke the... That broke it. That was it. Yeah. yeah the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back was this latest issue so that do me I a favor. Tell me, tell me right now and I'll beep it out just so I know. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. It, it's kind of a fuck, super fucked up copy. It's essentially brittle and falling apart. But like the completionist in me goes, yeah, you have to get it. it like if you can get it like... Like I think my max was 190, and like the starting bid was 175, and someone had already took the starting bid, and I was like, "All right, we'll, we'll play the sniper game and yeah, see if yeah. I get it." I got it, but it was that's the that's the you know I was that like, "Did it? You're that done. did it? Like great You're done for a while, great job." And yet I'm reminded of my own excesses. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. that's enough. It's like that's enough. Yeah. Doing too it's funny because. Yeah, you know, like it's interesting you say that because you can I just cut sort the, of, you can cut the name of the book, you can keep the rest of it in there. That's what I was thinking. I, I was like, I was going to ask you that off off air anyway. But what's interesting is, you know, I've still got these Doctor Dooms sitting here. I haven't bought any more, and for whatever reason, Scott, I just sort of had a nope. That's enough for me for a while too. And uh, and you know, I mean, I got this grip of Doctor Dooms. You know, there's this. Somebody told me this theory that you eat fewer chicken wings when you keep the bones from the chicken wings around. And I feel like this is my way of keeping the bones from the chicken wings around. Like every time I'm at my desk, <laughs> I've just got this stack of Doctor Doom comics, and it's like, that's right. You haven't even read these yet. You know, like I, I mean, I buy this stuff to read it, and eventually it's going to get tucked in a box. But that doesn't mean I need to tuck it in a box just now. Although, wait a minute, it is worth noting, Scott. That I cooled down on comics, but guess what I didn't cool down on? Records. No. The Mondo Godzilla figure that I sent you the picture ah, of. Ah, yes, yeah. that's right. That was that was Keith's birthday present to himself. Um it I I do love these things when when done right. Like Godzilla toys are just a black hole that I just avoid the, you know, the terminal gravity of or whatever you call it, you know. But um but I do have this very cool. I think I think I've shown this to you, Scott. I keep this right at my desk. This is the Attack Peter Godzilla figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it, mm-hmm. it's actually done. It's a figure done in Japanese woodblock style. That's the whole thing of it. Um, but they did another one by oh I can't remember the guy's name, but he does this awesome Aztec art, and so it's a very Aztec take on Godzilla and. To my delight, Mondo did a a set order period for it. So it was like available for pre-order from maybe August 28th through September 1st. And then it's gone. Like it's a timed order. Get it in or you're done. And uh, so, yeah, I was like debating it. But I'm like, nah, you're going to want that. So I I grabbed it. So um, but that's also kind of yeah, color scheme of that, too. It's like I think it matches really well with your Dr. Doom poster. Yeah. Yeah. It has like both things have a very black light vibe mm-hmm. to it so yeah, you're like totally. your home office is going to be this clash of um uh black red and white and then yeah. fucking black light <laughs> yeah yeah and and uh, yeah yeah and, and and with heavy doses of metallica absolutely everywhere right so uh yeah. metallica godzilla dr doom well represented in this room <laughs> yeah right so no one so can say you don't like the things that you like and yes no one would be shocked if you said hey i love dr doom or, <laughs> or metallica or godzilla 
I think we did it. I think we made it to the yeah. end. So that means that you can find me on Instagram. After we rate these beers, you can go for it. Um, so Speculus Cookie Butter Beer, uh, 16 ounces, 9.5% ABV. Ooh, this is a tough one because I took the initial few sips at the beginning of the episode. I didn't like it. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't like this. I loved it by the end of the can, let me tell you something. Yeah, and now, probably. I don't know if that's the 9.5% that's helping that out, but it really, the first few sips, they really hit you in the face with, um, I'd imagine, it's the, cookie the toast. Butter. Yeah. Spe- yeah, it's Speculus like. Speculus is their cookie butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's like, it lists it as toasted coconut, vanilla beans, and natural flavors. I It must be the cookie butter because I swear it has like an overabundance of kind of like cinnamon or something mm-hmm. like it really hits you in the face initially yeah and um by the end of the can it didn't bother me as much so like as i was going through it it was just less and less of a bother less and less by the end i was like yeah let, let me pound the rest of this mm-hmm. so it's a tough call on the rating i would say seven okay i would say seven I wouldn't, I wouldn't, an eight for our scale is eight is you have to go get it. Mm-hmm. A seven is I really like this. Like it's super yeah. solid. So mm-hmm. just based on my experience. Yeah. If you like metal, then this is metal. If you like country, yeah. this is country, right? If you like kind of sweet, sweet starting high hitting well, beers, this is, this is your jam. Well, I would say it was just the journey through the can. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. It was just like, I didn't like this. And yeah. then I was like. I really like this by the end of it. You know what I mean? So it was the journey through the can that makes me give it a seven. So if you're curious about it, go to Trader Joe's. Hopefully they got a reorder and uh, you can find yourself a can or two. And uh, guess what? You're going to be having a good time by the bottom of the can, whether you like the flavor or not. Because 9.5 is your friend. Is your friend. So I will let you know that my rating for that beer based on memory is eight and a half. I give that an eight and a half. Oh, shit. But that's also in my wheelhouse. I love Speculoos cookie butter. And, uh, and to have a beer that's flavored like Speculoos cookie butter is is quite special to me. So, uh, so yeah. But, yeah, so if, if it's your jam, it's your jam. But, uh, yeah, man, we all we all can't deny that it hits hard. And that's what we want. It's It's got Absolutely. Mike Tyson fists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Everybody's me, got a plan until you get punched in the face with Speculoos cookie butter. Tea shot green tea lager. I mean, as far as lagers go, this is an eight. I, I think it's delightful. You do have to be ready for the idea of a lager lager that has some teeth smoothness to it. I think it's an amazing combination. You may not, but I also think based on the 8.0, you should you should give it a go. So huge fan. Very, very good. Um, So you can now you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore invader. I'm also that on threads. Threads is a thing that looks a lot like Instagram, but people say is like Twitter. You tell me, Uh, but I'm on both of them and I'm sharing pictures of, you know, my comics, uh, life, uh, books I'm reading and maybe some quotes now and then too. And uh, if you want to know more and you want to go to my website, check out my books. It's KeithRFoster.com. I have pages there on my primary three books and I also have a store where you can grab those books. They are animals which is animals get infected by a virus and now want to murder people. Kadoja, Giant Monsters Meet H.P. Lovecraft, and Three Protectors Kung Fu in Space. KeithRFoster.com. Yeah. Boom. And you can find my books at... Ma- uh, 
at making comics podcast that yeah you can i'm right here Jesus motherfucker Christ. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah if you want a bundle pack deal you can hit me up on that on that uh uh email address there um but if you want to get my books off the website you can go to accidentalaliens.com second shift minimum wage superheroes uh wanders milisanda anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans and uh soon to be coming is the paradise hills um uh, uh kickstarter it will be under a different name because it is part of an anthology but i will announce that soon enough and uh you know it'll be on the beginning of a pod as soon as the kickstarter is live and all of that but uh yeah accidentalaliens.com you can find those other books and uh, accidental aliens anthologies are available i think the 2018 and 19 are still there and uh tales from the mothership i have stories in all of those books so get those at accidentalaliens.com sec um Scott Lost, at Scott Lost, words, so much drinking, at Scott Lost on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, and facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can get in contact with me on all of those social medias as well. Yeah. Hey, special bonus thing. Do you live in Colorado or near Colorado? Do you like horror? Well, guess what? This weekend, your boy Keith is going to be at the Colorado Festival of Horror in Denver. You can find out all kinds of cool stuff. There's all kinds of great guests. I've got a table there, and you can catch up on my books or check out. Tell, tell your friend. It, it doesn't have to be you. Maybe maybe you're like, hey, you know, this this dude whose podcast I listen to, he's going to be in Denver this weekend. Uh, go check it out, man. It's going to be a fun horror convention. So good stuff there. And And... Let's say you're not in Denver, though, or you don't want to travel to Denver, or you're in Denver, but you just want to sit around and think about sports. That's also fine. But you like this podcast, so what do you do? You go to you go to Spotify. You go to Apple Podcasts, and you throw us five stars. You throw us some nice words. Scott and I love reading it. We love the review. The algorithm loves the review. We love the words, and, uh, and we appreciate reading them we appreciate seeing the impact that we have on people i mean we can see it in the numbers but it's always so much better to hear from you so if you got a minute throw us some stars and and give us a review because we are in fact the five star motherfucking podcast experience and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you what you liked, disliked about this episode, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. We will read it if it is good. We'll talk yeah. about it on the air. Well, if ideally we won't read it when we've when we've had a speculose beer, though. That may not go. I mean, well. that's the speculation of the speculus, <laughs> but I can't promise that. Um, yeah, so making comics podcast at gmail.com hit us up there uh if you have maybe a potential idea for a topic uh or something along those lines that's where you do it and um i, w- I would say that's it yeah we did it. yeah yeah we did it we did it world's best cup of coffee yeah yeah